here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. again and welcome back to lucha of the hidden temple my name is dr nove chris novembrino if you're nasty and this is your voices of wrestling.com lucha underground review for the week of july 15th 2015 we have two more episodes of lucha underground until ultimo lucha this is the third episode before ultimo lucha we have four medallions So we've got to get rid of these medallions and of course there's going to have to be multiple medallions given out in an episode Obviously, that episode would be the one right before Ultimo Lucha, so as to maximize that build going into Ultimo Lucha, right? Right? Wrong. No, this week we're going to give out three. Three in one episode. I'm not thrilled about that. Can you hear it in my voice? Let's begin. Pentagon Jr. is in Dario Cueto's office. Dario is all excited that he has this really awesome plan to put three of the medallions up for grabs tonight because if one medallion match is good and two is great, three, well, that's basically an orgasm where you come in your pants. Pentagon doesn't give a shit about the medallions or Dario Cueto's wet dreams. He wants to destroy Vampiro. That's his wet dream. And it's a concept that Dario Cueto is surprisingly ambivalent about, considering the fact that Dario Cueto is the one who hired Vampiro and Stryker. And if you remember back many episodes ago, there was an exchange where Stryker kind of cut Vampiro off at the pass and said, I'm not going to say anything bad about Dario Cueto. Dario Cueto's writing my checks. So, we have established on screen Vampiro works for Dario. Dario couldn't care less one way or the other. He's alright. Dario just wants to know when he can meet Pentagon Jr.'s master, and Pentagon says that the master will reveal himself when Pentagon proves that he's worthy by defeating Vampiro at Ultimo Lucha. We go to the ring, and we're going to have Bengala versus Delavar Divari, flanked by Big Rick, his Virgil, of course. Vampiro's rage is boiling over onto the commentary, which is a nice little touch here, and is going to build into our next segment. Bengala starts the match out with a fancy-looking arm drag, and that sends Delvar Divari to the outside. Bengala hits a suicide dive to the outside, and then, back in the ring, Divari distracts the referee, which allows Big Virgil to push Bengala off of the top ropes and allows Divari to gain control of the match for a little while. This is broken up by Bengala hitting a handspring elbow for a double down. 
Bengala hits a big DDT off of, you know, kind of an arm twirling maneuver for a near fall, and then he hits a high side kick for another near fall. After that, he takes out Big Rick on the outside, and Bengala goes to the top, but the distraction of taking Big Rick out on the outside allows Delavar Davari to get up to the top turnbuckle and deliver a superplex. Davari calls for Big Rick to assist him by hitting Bengala over the head, but Big Rick misses and clobbers Davari, and that allows Bengala to roll up Davari through for a German suplex, which he bridges out for the win, and your winner and a medallion holder is Bengala. It's just that simple, people. He's given him away on this episode. Vampiro, after the match, says that he has to go do something, and we go to commercial break. Out of commercial break, Vampiro's in the ring. He grabs the microphone and he starts talking about Pentagon Jr. Vampiro says the Pentagon reminds him of himself and that he can kind of dig the whole gasoline thing. Come on, no, 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 no. Vampiro can't dig the gasoline thing. I'm going to tap the brakes right here. He has to keep the heat on Pentagon Jr. And the gasoline thing was the first thing that had happened that it actually put some heat on Pentagon Jr., which has been a tricky thing to hold on to, and you'll find that it's ephemeral when Pentagon Jr. makes his way to the ring here. They're still chanting for Pentagon Jr., even with Vampiro bringing up the gasoline thing. I think part of it is that Vampiro needs to bring up the gasoline thing and then iterate that he's not okay with that whole part where he's going to get lit on fire because he has a daughter now, which he has mentioned in previous episodes. And he cares about his daughter. And, you know, part of being a dad is not being lit on fire. And Vampiro would like to try to avoid that. And his time in the ring is past. And if he doesn't want to bring up all the medical issues and all of that, I, I, I can get that and can get having certain things off limits here. But what he has brought up, I would consider to be fair game and should be used in telling the story or don't bring it up, right? Anyways, Pentagon makes his way to the ring and he's demanding an answer. Vampiro says Pentagon isn't going to be facing Ian Hodgkinson, which is a distinction without a difference. And this whole segment is hinging upon Pentagon talking about Ian Hodgkinson, Vampiro's real name, and Vampiro, his gimmick, and Vampiro talking about not wrestling anymore and his time has passed, although never really being referred to as Ian Hodgkinson, and Stryker always refers to him as Vamp, and we always see in the credits that he's Vamp. If you're going to tell the story around Ian Hodgkinson and Vampiro, you can't just introduce the Ian Hodgkinson construct onto the show last week. I get that it's been his name his whole life, but it's never been on the show until just the last episode, and it's a distinction without a difference otherwise. Anyways, Vampiro announces the Pentagon's going to be facing Vampiro. And then there's a bit of a scuffle, and Vampiro hits Pentagon with a choke slam after much delay, which wipes out Pentagon, who lays prone in the ring. And I get wanting to have Vampiro stand strong here at the end of the segment. I'm assuming Vampiro does the honors for Pentagon at Ultima Lucha, and that's part of what this whole story is about. And that's how you're going to get there. You have to have the babyface stand strong right here. But there's ways where the babyface stands strong, and he hasn't just obliterated the person he's going to face at the pay-per-view in one single move that 
lays out Pentagon for beyond a visual three count. Pentagon should have been chokeslammed and rolled to the ring and regrouped. That's one way of doing this. Or Vampiro looks like he's going to do a chokeslam and then Pentagon cuts town. And then you can have an accompanying scene where the master talks about, whoa, are you scared of this old man? And then Pentagon sort of bows up and is like, no, I'm going to have, don't worry, I'm Pentagon, zero fear. You know, all of a sudden his tagline makes sense, but you can have that momentary doubt where we see less than zero fear out of Pentagon Jr. Interesting character twist if you want to go in that direction. Or you can go with the one where Vampiro, the guy in his 40s, lays out the guy who's been breaking everybody's arms with one move that involves his arm. Just saying. Backstage, we have Sexy Star, and she's still holding on to Superfly's mask, which she kept, and she never visited Superfly in the hospital. And, I mean, come on. It's kind of a jerk move, right? At least give the guy his mask back or go and visit him in the hospital. One or the other. Maybe both if you're the good guy. King Cuerno has a match with Killshot. Killshot's music. It's not very good. I don't know how many more times we're going to hear it in this uh, season or series, potentially, but Killshot's music, not very good. This match is all right for what it is. It's certainly very watchable, and it's got a lot of spots early on. So for work rate or highlight spots, I think that you do get your fair share of those in the first two to three minutes. There's a great one-legged drop kick that's stylized where Killshot sort of rolls up on King Cuerno, who is in a sitting position on the canvas, and then he stands up the side, measures him out with sort of you know handgun motion, and then just bops King Cuerno in the side of the head with one leg. That looked really great. The camera coverage on that was great. And Killshot, because of his build, his frame, the fact that he's narrow but long, and he's very agile and likes to do rolls, and his leg extensions look great because of the kicks. All of it works very nicely. Killshot has an offense for what it is, and you may not love his style, but his offense certainly works very nicely with his frame and his build, and I applaud him for having those two things working in sync. King Cuerno gets a drop kick that sends Killshot to the outside, and then Cuerno teases going for the arrow, but he gets cut off by Killshot, who hits him in the head with a big high kick. Killshot hits a springboard rolling thunder cutter, which is kind of one of his signature moves, and that looks good too when I'm talking about him using his frame and him rolling and all of that. His springboard rolling thunder into the cutter, that looks great. Cuerno goes to the outside and gets caught with a very dexterous Rana that Killshot does by going over the ropes, holding onto the top rope, and landing on King Cuerno and pulling him down with a Hurricane Rana. It looks good. A dexterous Rana. King Cuerno slams Killshot onto the apron spine first with a nothing fancy slam, but man, that looks good, and it was brutal and very effective. Cuerno starts slowing the pace down back in the ring. I love King Cuerno. I love the way that he's able to slow the pace down, but still deliver those high spots, and when he does Lucha-style moves, they look great. Killshot gets a high cross body for a two count, and then Cuerno hits a running knee and delivers a sick-looking reverse Hurricane Rana, which sends Killshot to the outside. I almost think that that could have been a two-count right there, or if you wanted to do a fall, I would have been fine with that. But Cuerno has more in store for his man Killshot. Cuerno pulls out the arrow and connects with it, and then Cuerno goes for the throw of the hunt, but Killshot's able to escape, and then Cuerno traps Killshot on the ground, 
first he puts him you know, belly on the ground. Then he gets the legs in a surfboard leg lace, which he transitions into a dragon sleeper-like headlock, which procures the tap out from kill shot. It's a great looking finishing move. This was a nice match for what it was. But we have one, two, three, four matches here. Yeah, we got four matches, five matches on this episode that is 45 minutes. Way too much shit going on here. And of course, match length has to suffer in order to do this. And then you end the show with an angle, which... We'll discuss how that works as a format for Lucha Underground. I don't think it works. I think that if you're going to do an angle sort of thing, it has to be within the context of a match finish, but it can't just be a what I refer to as an open quotes men talking segment at the end, particularly not when you're two men who are going to talk or taciturn men. But we'll get to that here in a little bit because... Up next, we have just a five-star classic for this series, for this show, and really for this year when I'm going to be doing my ballot for VoiceOfWrestling.com. Superfly versus Sexy Star to settle the series, which Stryker has the audacity to fucking present at the beginning of this. Stryker says that there's a chance for redemption for Superfly, which I thought he got last week when he powerbombed Sexy Star and pinned her cleat as a sheet. And there is now a decent caucus for Superfly in the crowd. What does that mean? I don't know. Is this indicative of the house crowd beginning to turn on Sexy in storyline here? Or beginning to turn on Sexy's work rate in matches? I was very, very confused by this. Superfly hasn't really done anything to be endearing to this crowd and if they're feeling sympathetic for Superfly, that's a failure of storytelling, a failure of Sexy Star's character to get over. I feel like I'm giving you some stuff of Chris's greatest hits from previous episodes, so we'll move on into this match. Sexy catches Superfly with an arm bar on Superfly's injured slash rehealed arm. It's the whole match. There you go. Boom. Arm bar. So, one of Jericho's 1,004 moves. After that, Mario the Moth Martinez comes out. He asks if he can call sexy, sexy. I mean, why not, Marty? Everyone else on the show does it. And then he wants the medallion. He takes a look at it. Apparently, the medallion's got a moth on it. So, he wants a shot to get the medallion. Sexy star arm drags Mario the Moth Martinez twice. Sexy goes for a crossbody and gets caught. Sexy eventually hits a crossbody off of the ropes. Marty applies a figure four leg lock. Sexy starts able to roll that over, and Marty gets to the ropes. And then Sexy applies the arm bar to Marty too, and he taps out. This is a really, really great submission hold. Hey, remember back in May, like May 27th, let's say, just throwing out a number there, maybe I pulled it up from previous notes, where she was telling Vampiro that she's got a fancy fucking submission move that she's going to use on Pentagon. And then the next week when she had that match against Pentagon, Pentagon squealed like a baby because she debuted that arm bar and he was trying to escape the arm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You don't. Because she didn't. But it's here now. So there you go. Also, this arm bar looks like shit. Becky Lynch's arm bar looks way better. If we're just comparing notes on arm bars I've seen in the last week. Last 
Well, I guess before we go to the end here, Stryker runs down the card for us again, which is good, and I'll mention that he did it, and I'm glad that he did it, but we've already gone through that. And then we end with our big angle, and it's Dario Cueto. He's in the ring, and he wants a face-to-face confrontation between his two taciturn main eventers. They come to the ring. I was excited that maybe Prince Puma was going to say his first words. Conan wasn't out there. Mill, he doesn't have to say anything, nor should he say anything. But if Prince Puma looks at Mill Muertes and says something to the effect of, I am not afraid of you, that would have been very powerful, and you could have ended the episode that way. Instead, we end the episode this way. They're squaring off. Dario's like, no, 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 guys. I'm having you guys square off, but don't fight until Ultimo Lucha. I don't really know what Dario Cueto's character thought was going on here. All of a sudden, Katrina comes out. Dario tells Katrina she needs to go to the back. But then Katrina just completely usurps Dario Cueto, who comes off looking like a goob at the end of this whole segment. She starts coming down the stairs. The Disciples of Death roll out a coffin. And then the Disciples of Death get into the ring and they start ganging up on Prince Puma with Mil Muerte. So it's four on one with Katrina in the ring. Conan comes down to make the save. He's got that metal staff and all of a sudden those vignettes that we saw like a thousand weeks ago where Conan forged this metal staff to gain retribution on, I think, Cage? I, but it didn't really make sense that he would need a metal staff to beat Cage. Well, it makes sense that Conan would need a metal staff to beat Cage, but you know what I'm trying to say here. didn't really make sense that he needed this metal staff, but now it does make sense that he needs this metal cane slash staff. I'm turning him into a wizard when I call him or say he's got a staff. Anyways, he's got this metal cane. He hits the Disciples of Death. He wipes them out, but of course the numbers catch up to Conan because, you know, Conan's like a manager now. He's not a fighter, and even if he was a fighter and he's got the metal cane, you know what I'm trying to say here. Anyways, the numbers catch up to Conan. Conan gets put into the coffin while Mil Muertes throttles Prince Puma. And then after that, Mil Muertes flatlines Prince Puma, and that ends our episode. So here's my question. Where's Son of Havoc and Angelico flanked by Ivelisse to come down and try to even up the numbers for Prince Puma and Conan? Maybe you have the baby faces clear the ring. They stand tall, and it looks like the forces of darkness have been kept at bay. Because I have to assume that Ivelisse, Son of Havoc, and Angelico are dropping the titles. If for no other reason, then it's going to be a minute before... Ivelisse heals up and you just want to get the belts on people who aren't injured going into season two. Also, you have this potential power consolidation storyline with Katrina, the Disciples of Death, and Mil Muertes with Mil maybe winning the title. So if you're going to have both of the babyface teams lose, they should stand tall here or I guess next week or the week after, but this seems like a really good opportunity. Also, Conan, who pulls all these different strings should probably be looking to Son of Havoc and Angelico and trying to forge some sort of alliance. That seems like something the crafty Conan would do. 
That's going to do it for another episode of Lucha of the Hidden Temple. Let me know what you thought of this episode of Lucha Underground at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Novembrino is my name Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com for all of our great G1 coverage coming up here in the next month. Also, you can do your shopping for WWE.com through links on our VoicesOfWrestling.com webpage, and it directs some money back to the website. You can also do that with Amazon. That also helps the website, and that helps all of the staff involved in the website. You can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review if you are so inclined. Or you can just put me over really hard in the comments section and leave us a two-star review. But I'd rather you leave us a five-star review and you can save the well wishes for me on Twitter. I don't need the ego stroke, but if you want to give it to me, you know, hit me up on Twitter by all means. As always, I want to thank you all so much for listening. It's my pleasure. I hope you have a good week, and until the next one, cheers. There is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.